there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. This is Dr. Nicole, and welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am here with Lexi. Uh, Lexi is a new member of our team here at Integrative Wellness Group, and uh, we're working side by side in the functional medicine department. And today we are talking about the cause of heart disease that no one is talking about. And I think this is a really important topic because heart disease is actually one of the leading causes of uh, disease in our country. And a lot of people are still buying into the theory that it is due to high cholesterol. All right, Dr. Nicole, what can you tell us about the cholesterol theory? Well, I think the cholesterol theory, number one, is super outdated. Uh, And the reason why I say this is because, first of all, we're dealing with an epidemic of high cholesterol. And uh, we are seeing it in people that are overweight, not overweight. We're seeing it in young people. We're seeing it in older people. And one of the things that is extremely, extremely important for people to understand is that cholesterol is actually a compensation mechanism. And a lot of our brain is actually made of cholesterol. So technically, two thirds of our brain is made of cholesterol. Cholesterol is also the foundation for our cells. It makes our cells really like flexible so they can absorb nutrients. And it also is the precursor to our hormones. And that includes thyroid hormone, our sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So if we go into this mindset that we all need to have low cholesterol, we are actually starving our brains, affecting our hormones negatively, and causing our cells to not be able to absorb nutrients. So our our bodies make cholesterol for a very, very specific reason because it is absolutely vital to how we function. So the idea that cholesterol is the major culprit in heart disease is outdated. And one of the driving forces behind this cholesterol creeping up in people is actually due to the massive stress that our bodies are under from toxicity that's actually causing our DNA to be damaged. So as we get exposed to more and more toxins, and what I mean by that is toxins like aluminum foil that we're using, aluminum cans, mercury fillings that go in our teeth, those silver fillings that we have, or maybe um, the mercury that's in vaccinations, or the herbicides and the pesticides that are on our food. These are all different things that are toxic to our bodies. And as we consume more things that are toxic or breathe in more things that are toxic, our cells become damaged, our brains become damaged, our DNA becomes damaged, and our cholesterol goes up as a repair mechanism. So this is one of the primary reasons why we are dealing with so many people that have high cholesterol, and it's because we're toxic. It's not because we're eating too much fat and we're eating too much cheese. And what's funny is I was just in France. It is the mecca of consuming dairy, wine, cheese, uh, cured meats. 
and they are not dealing with the same issues. So for us to think that this is truly just a, a dietary issue, mm-hmm. it's not accurate information when you really understand the physiology of the body. Right. So then can you tell us a little bit about the difference between good versus bad cholesterol? Yeah. Well, and this is I'm really glad that you actually asked that question because When you're dealing with cholesterol, there's all these numbers that pop out on your blood work. And we have our total cholesterol, and then we have our LDL. This is what we call the bad cholesterol. I'm making quote marks (laughs) as I do this. Um, So that's what we call the bad cholesterol. And that's what we look at when it's elevated that we say, oh no, you're at risk for heart disease. Mm -hmm. But again, reiterating, this is actually due to massive stress on our bodies due to toxicity, not necessarily diet. And then we have our good cholesterol, which is HDL. And that good cholesterol is really, really important for actually repairing this damage that's happening. So the HDL, most of the time what we're finding is that people are abundant in the quote unquote bad cholesterol, low in the good cholesterol, And low in the good cholesterol is sometimes because we're getting no good fats in our diet. And what I mean by that is avocados, coconuts, good fresh fish. Most of us with our American diet, we are consuming really compromised fats. Like we're we're consuming a lot of hydrogenated oils, which is in our potato chips, Um, It's in our prepackaged pastries. uh, It's in our fried food. Uh, We're not necessarily always getting good quality fat. It's usually over-processed fat that our body can't process or can't utilize. Right. So I feel like with when someone has the cholesterol issue, one of the first things they tell you to watch is shellfish. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned fish. Is that something that people need to cut out or does it depend? Uh, When you're dealing with fish. Uh, so some of the fattier fish that are really beneficial um, is actually like fatty tuna. You can mm-hmm. usually find that at some like sushi restaurants or higher in seafood places. Mm-hmm. Um, salmon is also going to be high in fats. So these are the types of fish that are actually very beneficial for good cholesterol. Um, this is the type of cholesterol that can be very supportive to your cells, can be very supportive to your brain. Uh, that's why they always say like fish is good for your brain. I wouldn't say all fishes anymore by any means. Um, But shellfish being a filter, filter feeder, that is going to be higher on the toxicity scale. So that can definitely be a driving force for elevated bad cholesterol. Got it. Um, And then what about congestion in the arteries? So going back to the cholesterol theory is that cholesterol, high cholesterol is going to clog your arteries and cause a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely fatty deposits that can happen in the heart. It can happen in, in the arteries. But saying that 100% of the time the high cholesterol is going to be connected to that placking is really not accurate. And one of the most interesting things about this is when you consume high amounts of protein, uh, and protein can get a little ambiguous, but if you're consuming high amounts of protein, bad protein, like if you're eating um, conventional chicken that has tons of antibiotics, or if you're eating... uh, 
a lot of red meat that's not grass-fed, which is going to have a lot more omega-6 in it, which is a bad fat. Again, going back to those like rancid, harmful fats. Mm -hmm. These are different uh, foods that can actually start to negatively affect your arteries. So it's almost like these proteins that are not being broken down and utilized can bounce around in the ovaries, almost like creating like puncture wounds, like creating damage. And what happens is the cholesterol comes in to patch it up and make it better. So when you look at the arteries and you say that there's fatty plaques, yes, that is correct, but it's actually a defense mechanism and a, a protective mechanism that's being used due to damage from undigested proteins, number one, mm -hmm. and also a lot of free-floating sugar. We live in a world right now that sugar is in everything. It is so hard to avoid sugar. And yeah. some of my patients, when I talk to them, they're like, but I don't add sugar to anything. And then I'll ask them, be like, well, you said you go to Starbucks every day. What do you get? And they'll say, oh, well, I get an almond milk latte or a coconut milk latte, but I don't get any sugar in it, no syrup, nothing. And what's interesting is a lot of these milks, regular milk, milk alternatives, they have anywhere between 30, 40, 50 grams of sugar in them. Yeah. So we're getting sugar despite adding sugar to our food. So I guess on the note of the patients that you just mentioned, what are you seeing at IWG as the cause of heart disease? One, I wouldn't say it's always the cause, but one of the big connections that we're seeing with people that are coming to us saying that they have a history of heart disease in their family, or they have leaky valves, or they have an arrhythmia, or they have heart palpitations, whatever the case may be um, with their cardiovascular diagnosis, is that we're finding strep in their heart tissue. And that might be extremely baffling to people. Like, how does that happen? And most of us have had a sore throat at some point. Maybe we were diagnosed with strep. Maybe we weren't. Maybe we were told it was just a, a sore throat. But what's interesting is when they swab your throat, they only swab the uh, superficial aspect. So like the, the outside aspect. They're not necessarily going into the back of the tonsil and swabbing there because it would choke you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, you could have easily had a culture and they tell you you didn't have strep, but you did. It was just kind of burrowed behind the tonsil or inside the tonsil, etc. Uh, so most of us have had exposure to strep is the moral of my story. And with that being said, this doesn't happen in everyone, but when you have strep, it can actually move from the tonsils, especially if you had chronic strep as a kid. It can move from the tonsils and then get into the lymph nodes of your neck. So for those of you who are like, what are lymph nodes? Lymph nodes are just, um, that you have lymph nodes throughout your entire body, first of all, but your lymph nodes um, are what help you to eradicate infections or, or toxicity or pathogens. And you have tons and tons and tons of lymph nodes in your head and neck because it's trying to protect your brain and drain anything bad away from your brain. But if your tonsils get kind of overabundant in different infections like strep, it will then start to affect your lymph nodes and your lymph nodes can actually then become infected with strep as well. But you have a lymphatic system, meaning your lymph actually moves through your body. So if 
the strep gets into your lymph, it can end up anywhere. It can end up in your groin. It can end up in your uterus. It can end up in your breast tissue. It can end up in your liver. It really can end up anywhere. It's whatever tissue is the most susceptible for that person. So if this person had maybe a congenital heart issue, meaning they were born with maybe like a weak heart or their mm-hmm. muscle, heart muscle isn't very strong. Or That's where it would go. It would then move to the heart. And this is something that will then create abnormalities in the valves, congestion, placking, you know, the list goes on because every single person will be extremely, extremely different. But What's interesting is um, a very long time ago, uh, I was uh, talking with a friend and it was actually a group of us. And one was saying that, you know, she took all these herbal remedies to get rid of her strep throat. And the one other woman we were with was a nurse Mm -hmm. and she was like appalled. She was like, you can't take herbal remedies for strep. You know, you absolutely always need to take antibiotics for it. And she's like, because if you don't get rid of it in time, it can turn into rheumatic fever. Mm -hmm. And this is obviously, she was working in the hospital and she was working in the NICU, which is where all children uh, get admitted to. Mm -hmm. And she has seen, you know, these scenarios that strep turned into rheumatic fever. And, you know, it it was very, very damaging to that child. So I completely understood where she was coming from, you know, that you know, you, you want to be aggressive with treating the strep. It's not always that it's going to turn into that, but some people it can, especially if they're immune compromised. So it's not a completely foreign thing to think that the strep can affect the heart. It's just in those more severe cases, Mm -hmm. we would call it rheumatic fever, but you can technically have rheumatic carditis, meaning that you have inflammation in the valves of your heart that is actually caused by strep. (laughs) How are you finding it? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) So, uh, and that's one of the things that I I love about what we're doing here at IWG is we are really trying to bridge the gap with a lot of the traditional tests like blood work, uh, stool samples, urine analysis, and we're trying to also look at the body from a physics, energetic frequency standpoint and I know that's very foreign to people but when you actually have this deeper look at your body it is extremely eye-opening because it always ties in perfectly with your blood work and also your symptoms so we're able to really look at the body in a in a different way but get answers that are more accurate but faster like way faster (laughs) So uh, two of the ways that we're really able to non-invasively look at the heart and see if the strep is playing a role is one of them being called bioresonance scanning. So the bioresonance scanning that we use is actually using electromagnetic waves in order to evaluate the body uh, through light. So it sends light through the body and is able to pick up on damaged tissue and then actually tell us what is damaging the tissue. So that can sometimes be that there is just inflammation. Sometimes it's actually an infection. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that we also use uh, is something called autonomic response testing, which was actually created by Dr. Klinghart. I know some of you that listen to our podcast are probably familiar with Dr. Klinghart. Uh, He's very, very well known in the Lyme disease world, but he is one of the absolute best integrative physicians. 
And um, autonomic response testing is a way of testing different frequencies against the body. Um, so the frequencies of strep and being able to test it against the heart muscle and the heart tissue to see if it is um, compromising that tissue as well. So we will usually use the autonomic response testing, the bioresonance scanning, and then also blood work and piece the whole puzzle together to really get clarity on what's going on with this patient. Wow. That is, and how quickly can you get these answers? You said it was very quick, so. Uh, well, obviously blood work will take a couple of days to process, but the bioresonance scanning will give us information within a few minutes, and so will the ART, autonomic response testing, ART for short. <laughs> very cool. Um, I think last, if you could just give the listeners some tips on if they're having these issues, what they should do, how they should get started. Definitely. Uh, so. For those of you listening, uh, and you're listening because you saw the title and you're just like, well, I have a heart condition or heart conditions run in my family and I'm scared that I'm going to develop it. Uh, this should be just very empowering for you to have a starting place for you to maybe consider, is this truly just a cholesterol problem or is there more to the story? And especially for those of you listening saying, oh my gosh, I had a ton of strep as a kid. And, and also too, if you didn't have the throat issue as a kid, but maybe you had ear infections, you can also, that can also be strep related. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who had a lot of those things, or even you had strep as an adult, you know, this is something to consider because if you work on eradicating the strep from the body, you can actually really help to resolve what's going on in the heart tissue. Uh, so these are things that you really want to consider, and IWG can obviously be your guide to give you the right testing and, and figure this out, um, but it could start with a really simple blood test as well of getting tested for strep as well. Uh, so there's many places to start, but definitely we offer strategy calls here at IWG. So if you're looking to just learn more or have our staff learn a little bit more about your particular case, uh, jump on a strategy call. You can book it right through our website and we're happy to um, help in any possible way. Cool. Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole. Thank you so much.